Hello, everyone. I wanted to give a quick update to help make it easier to follow along the show. We originally told you guys the next episode would be Andy and I discussing the issues. However, we changed things up so you could all get our instant reaction to this crazy debate. You're going to first hear a conversation Andy and I had before the debate took place, then the intro music, then our reaction to the debate. Next week, we'll dive deep into the issues, and then we'll be back on a normal schedule after that. Thanks for listening, and on with the show. Uh, on Tuesday night is the first presidential debate between President Donald Trump and hopefully the next president, Joe Biden. Uh, next week is going to be maybe what you guys were anticipating. I'm, I'm taking off the gloves next week. Uh, I'm, I'm going hard. Uh, you know, we're not going to focus about on these heavy issues. I'm going to focus on uh, the president, his incompetent response to the pandemic, his general incompetence and malevolence over these last three and a half years. Um, you know, again, Joe Biden was not my first choice. I was very much early on an Elizabeth Warren uh, fan. I really wanted her to win the nomination. I will certainly take her as Secretary of Treasury and start going after some of these monopolies um, and start uh, doing some things to improve wealth inequality in this country. But Joe Biden is now the candidate. Uh, he is certainly who I'm going to be voting for. Uh, I'm curious to see how he does in the first debate. There's very few things left before the election that might sway voters' opinions, and the debates are certainly uh, three of those things. So next week is going to be, we'll record shortly after the uh, debate, and we'll get that up for you as quickly as we can, and we'll just give you our reactions to both what happened in the debate and then any kind of bigger picture topics that got covered um, as they relate to the last three and a half years or so. Uh, I just got two quick reactions to that. Number one, I think if it was a uh, box combo from Raising Canes versus Donald Trump, I'm definitely taking the chicken fingers because they have a better chance of leading us to a great nation than Donald Trump does. And uh, number two, this will be the first debate I've watched in four years. So I didn't watch any of the Democratic uh, primary debates so th this will be interesting for me. I, I don't think I've watched a debate since it was Trump versus Hillary, and I was watching saying there's not a chance Donald Trump's going to win the presidency. So four years later, here we are in this absolute disaster. I think if you think it's been anything other than a disaster, you're nuts. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching another debate and seeing how, how Joe Biden basically manages to stay on stage for however long it is with, with someone that that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> my, my favorite little debate thing is that over the last couple of weeks, Trump has taken the same that Biden is using PEDs. <laughs> I don't know if he, <laughs> I missed that. He's been like, Oh, they, uh, they, they shoot something in his butt. And then he's like, he's like on fire for two hours. <laughs> First of all, if he is using performance enhancing drugs, where do I sign up for those? Because anything that's going to make me, more alert and cogent i'm certainly down for um but it, it's just hilarious to me if you if republicans are going to spend months and months calling him sleepy joe biden and he needs a teleprompter and he can barely make it through a sentence first of all it's highly highly i don't know what's the word i want disgusting to take somebody who has a speech impediment and talk about how they can get through uh 
you know, how they get through their words. He's certainly an old guy. He's certainly lost a step. Just think of all the people in your life, you know, who are 75, 78, and just imagine them being the most powerful person in the country. But if you set your expectations for Joe Biden so low that stringing together complete sentences of victory, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be sorely disappointed on Tuesday. So if Joe Biden is taking PEDs, is it fair to assume at some point he may just pick up the podium over his head, chuck it at, at Trump or into the into the stands at some point? Are we talking like Lance Armstrong PEDs here? Because I'm a lot more interested in this debate if that's if that's a possibility. I want them to do like the boxing, like the pose right before the fight or whatever, where they both got their fist up. I want Joe Biden to pee in a comp after the debate. Like, let's go. Let's just let's do everything. Could they have the debate on a golf course? Could we do? Do you remember in the midst of the pandemic when we had like Tiger, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and yeah. Phil Mickelson? Can we get can we get that action going on? Can we get like Phil and Joe versus Tiger and, and Donald Trump? I don't really know if that would be fair to Biden because I believe Trump has now spent over a year of his presidency on his golf courses. Uh, so the president has certainly gotten a lot of practice in. Uh, Man, I'm not a great golfer, but I've seen that swing. And uh, I think Joe's probably going to hold his own. All right, Andy, just one last thing before we again, I could do this for hours. Um, Andy, I'm 6'4". And I think the president the president is close to my height. I think maybe an inch or two shorter than I am. And I believe his last physical said that he was 240 pounds. As somebody who's close to pushing three bills, I'm not there, uh, but who's, who's, who's pretty close. There is no way on God's green earth that Donald Trump is like 6'2 and 240 pounds. I've seen how that polo shirt uh, fits on his body. 270 minimum not not a chance so so for a little bit of perspective for you at my biggest i was 510 270 and i'm not even sure i looked as sloppy as donald trump at that size (sighs) and four inches shorter i think something crazy could happen on tuesday like i do i you know i do think that like biden could be talking and trump just starts making like farm animal noises or something like that. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. He's, he's going to hit him with his Johnny Manziel money, man. Yeah, maybe. So the debate's going to be, the debate's going to be epic. I do not think it's a great way to pick a presidential candidate, but you know, a hundred million people are going to watch. We'll see how they do. And we'll bring it, we'll bring our reaction to you as quickly as we can. One, one last question for me, kind of heading into it. Is there legitimately a point for Joe Biden to even participate in this? This is just going to be Trump up there grandstanding, hurling insults, and it's going to be Joe Biden. I'm just going to come on and say what I want to say, not being a douche. So is there really going to be any way that's going to be – is there any value to Joe Biden even doing this? Who is Joe Biden going to reach that he doesn't already have? Uh, Okay, I would answer that in two ways. One – for whatever crowd of swayable yet people who still think that Joe Biden is mentally unfit and can't string together three complete sentences without a teleprompter, um, those people might watch him on TV and be like, okay, I guess he's not a doddering old fool. Uh, I hate Trump and I can vote for him. Um, but the only reason he has to do this is 
because he will be labeled a coward. Nobody's ever not attended the debates. People will see it as a sign that, oh, maybe there is something wrong with old Joe if he doesn't do it. But he, there's no value for him to do this. Trump is going to lie, just outright, you know, state falsehoods, probably not be corrected by the moderator. Andy, do you know who's moderating this? I don't, but I hope it's Lester Holt because I absolutely enjoyed seeing him just get run over by every single candidate in, in 2016 where he would say, hey, guys, it's, uh, it's time to move on. And, and I mean, 20 minutes later, they're still answering the same question. So that's who I'm rooting for. No, it's actually, no, I, I, it's no actually best case scenario, I think. Kirk so, Herbstreit? <laughs> okay, second best choice. Um, Chris Wallace is going to be moderating this debate. Um, I don't know if you saw any of his interview with Trump maybe two or three months ago, probably, you know, six to eight weeks ago now. Um, He had a a long interview with Trump, and it was right after Trump had taken the, you might know better than I do, whatever the test is called where you assess, like, dementia in in older people. Um, Trump (laughs) Trump was bragging about how well he did on the test. Chris Wallace just started re- reading questions off of it. It was like, here's a picture of an elephant. What is this thing called? <laughs> and then one of them was like, count backwards by eight for starting at 91. And Chris Wallace just started like counting backwards, like over a, a series of events to show how easy it was. Um, nice. So he's one of the few people at Fox that I think actually does try to you know resemble a real journalist and and actually ask tough questions and fact check so um if you're gonna pull somebody from fox to do this interview chris wallace is the is the best case uh for this debate so we'll see how that goes nice Hello, everyone. This is another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. And this is normally the part of the show where I'd ask Andy how his week was going, but I think there's going to be too much to talk about. Uh, You and I are still recovering 24 hours later from one of the craziest debates I've ever seen. I don't know what we saw, and it's recovering is a great way to put that. So before we jump right into Andy... um, Let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. Um, 2016, Hillary versus Trump. Uh, I think it's pretty common knowledge to say that most people thought that Hillary was going to win, that Trump didn't have too much of a chance. Um, but take me back real quick to November of 2016 and just what were your thoughts as we approached the election and then the knowing that Trump did end up winning? So going back even before November, just going back to the primaries, I thought there was no chance. I thought Trump would be an amusing sideshow in the Republican primaries, but I didn't think there'd be a chance he'd get the nomination. And certainly once he got the nomination, I said, this is going to be, it's going to be a blowout. This is going to be, you know, Ohio State against Miami of Ohio in the first week of the season. It's going to be 70 to three, going to run up the score. I mean, Hillary's going <laughs> to, it's, it's going to be over before it starts. And you know, the closer it got, I, I still really felt the same way. And uh, so just a little bit of, of personal 
in November of 2016, I had a one month old kid at home. So there was no chance I was sleeping anyway. Normally I would have probably just gone to bed on election. I said, no big deal. We'll wake up Hillary wins. But I, I was actually glued to the TV cause I had a screaming infant anyway. So I figured I might as well stay up. So that's definitely the most election coverage I've ever watched. And I distinctly remember the moment. I don't remember what I was watching on, but where Chuck Todd looks at the map and he says, Oh my God, guys, it's going to be Trump. Shocking. I couldn't believe it. I don't think I don't think I went to bed that night. I said, what kind of world are we going to live in? Yeah, so I 2015 or so was when my interest in politics really started peaking. I watched all of the debates, both between Hillary and Bernie and uh, between all the clowns in the Republican Party. Um, And I also did not take Trump seriously. I'm pretty sure I told my uncle, who is a big Trump fan that Hillary would win by uh, less than Obama did in 2008, but more than Obama did in 2012. And I was not particularly worried uh, that Trump would uh, be elected. Uh, The Comey story comes out in October uh, that, you know, Hillary is now back under investigation again. You know, all the jokes uh, in hindsight about her never going to Wisconsin, uh, not showing up enough in Michigan and Pennsylvania. Uh, but I too remember I was, my, my kids were in bed. I was up with my wife. Uh, and as 11 o'clock became midnight, became one o'clock, I could feel the pit in my stomach growing. Um, and I too stayed up until it was pretty much, uh, I don't think it was officially called, but everybody was saying it's looking like it's going to be Trump. And I just remember that feeling of nausea. Um, I, did think from the very beginning, uh, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. I did think that he would be disastrous. Uh, I did think that he uh, would denigrate the office of the presidency, diminish our standing in the world, uh, just plain old be the horrible person that he had been uh, in the debates uh, in the time leading up to the election. Um, and unfortunately, this is one of those times where I'm going to say I'm, uh, I'm sad that I was right. Yeah, so I was not that guy. I, I was reading all of the quick reactions of, you know, people saying it's the end of the world. He'll be a joke for the next four years. And I was the guy saying, it's not going to be that bad. I figured he'd do some good things for the economy. Yeah, he'd maybe put his foot in his mouth a couple of times. But I figured there's there's no way once he gets in office, he's going to continue the clown show. I figured the clown show was kind of just the act he needed to do to get elected. And sad to say, I was very, very wrong about that. So... We have three and a half years. Again, I would say I'm sure there are a lot of people in the country that said, you know, for the first three years or so, yeah, his tweets uh, aren't something to be proud of. Uh, But in general, you know, the economy is going along pretty good. It's not affecting my life too much. Is this really that bad? Uh, But then COVID happens. We've already gone into that. Um, And we'll talk about it later as it, you know, for sure came up during the debate as one of the most important issues that our country is dealing with right now. But I think I think how Trump has handled COVID has turned a lot of people uh, who might have been, you know, okay with how he was doing, not, you know, don't feel strongly one way or another, and really change a lot of people's minds. And then shortly thereafter, you have the George Floyd murder. And then, you know, it's been chaos for the last, you know, three to six months or so. Yeah, I Definitely agree with that, that the first couple of years were not 
I, I think the first couple of years probably went the way that I thought they would, where he did some decent things for the economy, put his foot in his mouth in a couple of times, but it, it wasn't overall just a complete embarrassment to be an American. And yeah, 2020 has been beyond rough. Okay. So we're going to talk more about Trump, obviously, as, as this goes along. Um, as far as Biden, so the country, uh, you know, really knows him as being Obama's vice president. He's been in politics for forever as a senator and even earlier than that. But, you know, some people might remember him in 2012 uh, being a Cheshire cat uh, in the vice president debate against Paul Ryan and just widely considered as having destroyed Paul Ryan and really helped Obama secure a second term. Uh, And then, you know, he kind of, you know, largely disappears out of the public eye for the next uh, four years or so, uh, and then comes back now as the front runner for the Democratic uh, nomination. Uh, it really is a two-man race from the very beginning, with Biden, Bernie, and you know several other candidates make splashes. But really, it started as Biden and Bernie. It finished as Biden and Bernie, and then Biden uh, crushes Bernie on Super Tuesday and runs away with the nomination. Uh, Andy, did you watch any of the Democratic uh, debates or follow really any of how the Democratic Party chose their nominee? I was trying to come up with a creative answer to that, but the answer is just no. I didn't watch any of it. I'll be completely honest. At the beginning of the process, I was maybe a little bit unsure who I was going to vote for. And I figured I would maybe just tune in for these presidential debates uh, because I think that was before the Trump train had really derailed. But once the Trump train started to go off the tracks, I think I became one of the uh, anybody but Trump supporters. So I didn't didn't really care all that much who won the Democrat primary. So no, I didn't follow them terribly closely at all. Yeah, so Ohio was put in a somewhat interesting position. Uh, our primary was actually delayed by Governor DeWine um, as it was uh, supposed to occur kind of during prime time of the pandemic. Uh, and by the time you know Ohio actually had their primary, uh, Joe Biden hadn't officially won the nomination, but he was all but assured to be the winner. Uh, so there was real no competitive reason to go vote in the Democratic primary. Um, if Elizabeth Warren had still been in at that point, that uh, she was my fave, and I definitely would have uh, voted for her as the nominee. Uh, I, I strongly hope that she will uh, become Secretary of the Treasury and start doing some real good things to address wealth and inequality. But Bernie, uh, I might, you know, actually align with some more of his ideas uh, from an ideology perspective, but I just didn't view him as somebody who could get anything done if he were to actually be president. Uh, Biden is somebody who uh, maybe is a little bit more uh, centrist for my taste, but uh, definitely seems more of a consensus builder who might be able to get things done. Uh, And... probably is more palatable to a larger portion of the country. Um, and really my ultimate goal is just beat Trump. I don't care who it is. I'm going to vote blue, no matter who the, the candidate's going to be. Um, and then Joe Biden dominated South Carolina, dominated Super Tuesday. The party overwhelmingly voted for him. Uh, and, and now here we are. So we go into this debate. Uh, Joe Biden sends us some pregame pictures of his debate. And uh, one of the stories that came up, it, it, it airs earlier in this episode, we talk about how Trump accuses 
Joe Biden of uh, taking performance enhancing drugs, uh, which is insane. Uh, but Biden very smartly and funnily, in my opinion, tweets a picture of his performance enhancing drugs and, and his earphone. And it's just a pair of, uh, you know, Apple uh, headphones and then uh, some Jenny's ice cream. Andy, tell us a little bit about Jenny's ice cream. So we are an Ohio podcast and we are going to get dummied for the statements we're going to make here. Jenny's ice cream if I made a top, I'm not even going to say a top five list. We did a top three most overrated things in the state of Ohio. I don't think there's any way Jenny's ice cream isn't number one. <laughs> number one, really? So, okay, off the top of my head, Jenny's ice cream, which, again, send your hate mail to us at BuckeyeDadsDiscuss at gmail.com. Uh, I am joining Andy in this 100%. I find Jenny's ice cream to be highly overrated. Uh, and the, and for people who've never had Jenny's ice cream before, Jenny's is a high end ice cream place that is kind of known for some of their off the wall flavors. And to me, some of those flavors are just not ice cream. Like I, I pull up their website a little bit earlier. Uh, you can get Savannah buttermint and wildberry lavender, and they just don't, they just don't taste like ice cream to me. Wildberry lavender on its surface seems, seems reasonable. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna check you on that a little bit. I would try that, but if it was Jenny's ice cream, it just wouldn't be that good. So uh, give me Cold Stone any day any day of the week. Um, not a huge fan oh, of Jenny's. Cold Stone over Jenny's, yes, for sure. Over Jenny's, but there are great Ohio ice creams. Um, Coming up in a future episode, we're going to do top five Toledo places, so a little bit of a spoiler alert. I do have an ice cream shop on there. Local place makes their own stuff, but if you want some good ice cream, try Mitchell's in the Cleveland area. Great ice cream. The best turtle sundae in the state. Interesting. have not had that before. Um, so, okay. So, let's fill out this list real quick. Jenny's Ice Cream. What else about Ohio? Skyline Chili, number two. Oh, <laughs> absolutely agree with that. Cincinnati chili in general is trash. So we now have no listeners left in the state of Ohio. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Skyline is just the worst example of just a bad way to make chili. Andy, I'm going to hurt your feelings. And maybe we'll go into it in the next episode. But there's a, there's a Toledo establishment that's going to be number three on that list. Spoiler yeah. alert. You'll, you'll find out later. All right. So we're getting ready for the debate. One thing I did actually do before this debate was I just watched a couple of clips of Trump in 2016. Um, I did watch Trump debate all three times in 2016. And he definitely seemed less crazy in 2016. Um, he certainly had his moments, right? Like there's the pacing kind of looming over Hillary. But he didn't seem as angry and as unhinged as he did tonight. Let's just get into it. This was insane. This was crazy. This was the craziest thing I've ever watched. I'm pretty sure there were... So I'm watching it quietly on headphones because nobody else in the house wanted to watch it. I'm pretty sure I dropped at least five what the fucks out loud to the point that everybody was like, just put it on the TV. Clearly something wild's going on. It was not maybe seven or eight minutes before I said to my wife, who said the same thing to me, I don't know if I can watch this for an hour and a half. This is painful. Like, this is... Wow. Okay. All right. So let's get into it. Um, 
Chris Wallace is the moderator, um, nominally, uh, you could say. Uh, I don't really know how much moderating he did during this debate. But the format of this debate was six major topics, Supreme Court, uh, COVID, the economy, uh, race and law and order and policing. Uh, if you guys are going to play a drinking game, uh, do, do not have the phrase law and order in your drinking game because you will be dead before the end of the episode. Andy, give us one right now. Law and order. There you go. Special victims unit. <laughs> dun, dun. Uh, uh, the fifth topic, I don't know if it was explicitly climate change or if it was just a grab bag. Uh, and then we end with election integrity and closing remarks. So I think we were so off the rails by the fifth topic. I'm not sure Chris knew what the fifth topic was. <laughs> so we start with Supreme Court, which I think is a really dumb topic to start with. Obviously, it's topical uh, with Amy Coney Barrett uh, being the nominee to replace uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, but I was very nervous in these first five minutes because they, uh, Chris threw it to Joe and Joe seemed nervous. He seemed a little incoherent. And I was like, this is going to be trouble mm-hmm. if he's like this the whole day. And I, and I think he very quickly warmed up, but those first couple minutes, he scared me. Yeah, Joe definitely took the, uh, we're going to go down the ladder, we're going to put one foot in the pool, maybe draw a foot back out of the pool, and then we're going to ease ourselves into the cold water. Didn't didn't quite take the uh, dive in off the high dive that Trump took to start things off. Yeah, so, I and I would say this, this first question started off pretty low. I have in my notes, low energy start, uh, which we know that Trump made fun of Jeb Bush for, for being low energy. And I'd say both candidates took a little while to warm up. Uh, Biden gives an answer about the Supreme Court uh, that focuses on the repeal of Obamacare, which I think is the best thing that he can say between that and uh, Roe versus Wade. Those are kind of the two most salient issues for uh, Democrats who might care about the Supreme Court. Um, But I have in my notes, five minutes in, this is a shit show. Wallace needs to actually moderate. And so this sets the tone for the whole debate. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know if I took exactly the same approach to Chris Wallace that you did early on. I kind of liked the feistiness of Chris Wallace a little bit at the beginning. I think at the end it just really devolved and, I mean, into a shit show. There's no other way to say it. But I did like. I think he tried as much as anybody was going to be able to try at the beginning. So I'm going to actually give him probably better marks than you do. Yeah. So this is what I will say about Chris Wallace. So. He got trampled over, obviously. I'm not going to say he did a great job. But it is clear that unless the moderators are given the ability to mute a microphone, that Trump is going to do this every single time. And it, what can, can you just yell over him? Like, what can you do to stop him from doing this? So as somebody that's worked in a school for a number of years the way you do that is you take away the audience so honestly what i would have done is i'd have just shut it down and said that's fine if you want to yell we're going to dead air when you want to follow the rules we'll come back and do this for, in, in real life i I'm just, can't imagine that that's something that, that networks would seriously consider but the only way you're going to get trump to actually care is to take away the audience and just yeah i mean well the make other, people not be able to hear him the other thing is so Today, the debate commission releases a statement that says we're going to put more tools in place to not let last night happen again going forward, uh, which 
is a very quick turnaround time to say that last night was a complete failure. Um, but the interesting thing is the next debate, the next presidential debate, is a town hall style. And Trump kind of has to rein it in a little bit. You can yell at Biden and people, and there's going to be a certain segment of the country that's going to be like, oh, go get him, Trump. But if you if you just yell at random voters, at random citizens, I think that might be a line that even Trump won't cross. You want to put a bet on that? Because I will take the other side of that. Um, no, I don't. Uh, zero, <laughs> zero dollars is what I will wager. Unless the question is phrased 100% the way he wants to phrase it, that's, you know, a ball set up on a tee for him to hit out of the park, I don't think he'd have the slightest problem yelling at a citizen. So, so which brings us to a good question. I do, I do agree with you. I think Chris Wallace had very pointed questions. I think they gave good context and exposed some hypocrisies of both candidates, uh, you know, by saying, for example, you know, you've disagreed with your uh, CDC and FDA chairs about certain uh, COVID related matters and giving that kind of context. I do think Chris Wallace is still an employee of Fox News. And I think a lot of the questions were phrased in a way that a Republican would view uh, the issues. You know, Chris Wallace says, uh, you know, talking about big government and, and implying that the Green New Deal would definitely kill jobs when, you know, the point of the Green New Deal in part is to make new jobs. He certainly came at it from a, a redder perspective than I would like, but I mean, I you know that's that's his job. I'm not super concerned about that. Uh, but just you know, ten minutes in, fifteen minutes in, Trump is interrupting every single Biden answer. Yeah, I mean, I think I had it ten minutes in. I thought Chris was doing all right, but I think it went off the rails very, very quickly after that. And then, I mean, it. Like we were saying about the fifth question, by the time we got down to, to question number five, which I think was around the hour mark, I mean, we were, the, the train was derailed and boxcars were blowing up. Yeah, so we, we discussed the Supreme Court a little bit. Biden does not give any answer on whether he will quote unquote pack the court if he's elected and try to push forward uh, another two more justices is what's kindly uh, with, is what's going around right now as far as uh, what Democrats might do to address the court. You know, I don't, this is, Supreme Court's not something I feel very strongly about, so I don't have a strong opinion. I do think you open Pandora's box uh, if you start adding justices to the court. It has been done before in America's history, so it's not this crazy thing, but I could easily see, a, you know, 27-person Supreme Court in, in a decade if, if we go down this route. Yeah, I definitely think that's a Pandora's box where if a Democrat adds people to the court, then the Republican will add a corresponding number of people to the court. And yeah, I think it gets to be a circus real soon. Also came up in this in this topic was in that same breath of getting rid of the filibuster in the Senate, uh, which is something I am a fan of because this is this is what could happen. Biden wins. Uh, the Democrats somehow managed to take enough seats to take control of the Senate, but not have the 60 votes they need to pass most legislation. And then we go back to the Obama years of, you know, the House passes legislation, one body of Congress passes legislation, it goes to the Senate, it dies. Everything dies, nothing gets passed. We have four years of absolutely nothing getting done. So if you're going to have ambitious things like uh, updating healthcare and improving Obamacare and 
doing some flavor of a, a big climate package. None of that's going to happen unless you get rid of the filibuster. And if, if that's what we have to do to get meaningful legislation passed to improve people's lives, let's do it. I'm all for it. Yeah, I don't have as strong opinion as you do on that, but what you said makes a lot of sense to me. So we, we go through the Supreme Court. This goes through pretty quick. The second topic is COVID. This is where the show begins. This is where the show begins. So let's go back a little bit. We didn't really touch on this on a, on a previous episode. I want to talk about it a little bit more. The, the Woodward tapes come out, and they clearly have Trump saying very early on that COVID is very serious, that it's possibly airborne, uh, that it is going to affect kids. It's not just the people who are super old and infirm. Uh, and that he says that he wants to downplay it. And that completely is the opposite of what Trump did in public. Uh, you know, he says no mask. He says, oh, it's all going to go away by Easter. It's going to go away with the warm weather. Uh, all of the quotes from this Biden kind of uh, threw out there to remind people of. And this is really just... I know we don't impeach presidents for just immorality, for lying, as long as long as it's not under oath. But what else can a president do that's so traitorous, that's so awful to just say, hey, this thing that's going to kill 200,000 plus Americans, that's going to affect 7 million Americans and counting, uh, we know that it's serious, but I'm not going to tell you that it's serious. I just want things to be okay so I can get reelected again. Well, I think the big problem with that is for people like you and I that watched our Eleanor Wonders Why and we understand science, um, sure, but I think for a big part of the country, their approach is also let's just bury our heads in the sand and, and hope things get better. So. I don't know if there's necessarily that national moment. I, I don't think, I think there's probably half the country that doesn't feel the least bit betrayed by him trying to downplay it because they also just want to pretend like this isn't something that's happening. Okay, that's a fair point. But what I would say to that is he has scientific experts. He has Fauci and Redfield and Burks and all these people. And all he has to do is just let them take the lead during these COVID press conferences um, and give people sound advice on wearing masks and social distancing, washing hands, um, and all of that. And it's so it's not just that he's not modeling that behavior, he's also undermining his own subject matter experts that could, you know, shape public policy to help improve the course of the pandemic. And that's just so frustrating to me. I think you hit on the key point there, though. You said he, all he needs to do is allow them to, to take the lead and do this. He's not going to let anybody take the lead. He's not going to let any ideas that aren't his get out there. It has to come from him. The cult of personality, it has to be Donald's idea. It can't be Dr. Fauci's idea. It can't be Dr. Burks's idea. It has to be Donald's idea. So for it to have worked, he would have had to have framed it as, oh, I, I honestly believe the only way you could have convinced him to do it was to convince him that they didn't want to do it. And for him to say, I'm smarter than you. I have a better science brain up in my head than you. And I'm going to say, fuck you, Dr. Fauci. This is what we need to do. I think they'd have had better luck trying it that way. Hindsight, of course, 2020. But I, I, I think the idea of him 
letting someone else take the lead is where you're going to lose any chance of him actually listening to that. Man, I just feel like it was a shame that if somebody just would have whispered in his ear, we can make so much money selling MAGA masks that, you know, maybe that would have appealed to his economic sense to be like, okay, I'm a grifter. I need some money. I want to get reelected again. Let's just make some MAGA mask and, and tell everybody that they should buy them. And, and lo and behold, we'll have a better response to the pandemic because more people will be wearing masks. Um, and we get into this uh, with Chris Wallace, where Chris Wallace keeps bringing up, oh, your scientific director says this, your CDC uh, director says this. And Trump was basically like, I disagree with all of my scientists. And <laughs> they're like, well, what do you say to that? They say that, but they also say the opposite. Legitimate quote. I have that one written down on my notes. They yeah. say that, but they say the opposite. Yes. And then Biden responds with no serious person said the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fool when it comes to masks. So again, this is going to continue to be an issue. Trump says uh, in his, one of his responses uh, that we are weeks away from a vaccine. It sounds like somebody who's just trying to s- dig themselves out of the hole that they're in and say something that's going to make other people uh, like him and, and feel better about themselves. Um, I haven't seen anything that we're that close to that. Um, you know, I think these phase three trials are supposed to be winding down in the next couple months, but uh, Trump has always reminded me of the student who has to present for either a solo or a group project. And he clearly did not prep at all. And so he's got the flop slant, you know, he's pointing to his poster board, but he's just reading the words that are already on the poster board. He doesn't know anything of what he's talking about. And we elected that person to be the leader of the country for four years. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what we did. Um, and I mean, the vaccine is coming is, I mean, that's such a convenient answer for it to be coming in a few weeks. And I, I can't imagine that in a few weeks when, you know, obviously the vaccine's not going to be ready for mass distribution, that he's going to two weeks before the election blame, oh, it's the Democrats trying to keep it down. And it's all a very convenient story that he's setting off the groundwork for, but it's all, it's all made up. There's no way we're that close to a vaccine. So also in this segment, my, six-year-old said daddy why are they arguing so much uh which is i think he falls asleep shortly thereafter biden gives like a very a very taken liam neeson style like good luck to one of trump's responses which uh man this this got out of hand real quick so i want to say my perspective that biden did as well as you can do when you have somebody standing 10 feet away from you, interrupting you, disparaging your family, saying everything uh, that you say is a lie while also lying. You know, I don't think, you know, I'm not going to hold it against them too much, but clown and shut up and all that or whatever. You know, I think he did a very good job keeping his composure except for a couple moments. Uh, But to me, it's very obvious. One person looked presidential and one person looked like a raping lunatic. So I teased you a little bit this afternoon with uh, I sent you a message that said, I, I think Biden may have lost more in that debate than Trump did. And I, I think you kind of set me up perfectly without knowing the point that I was going to make with, with what you said right there. So 
uh, here it goes. Um, I mean, Trump did exact. Trump was totally on brand to to shout down Joe, to lie, to blame China and Obama for everything. I mean, Trump's game plan going in. Trump's game plan for the last year has been say a bunch of really offensive stuff, yell louder than everybody else, send your tweets in all caps so everybody knows you're yelling. I, Donald Trump's game plan was to go in to talk shit about Joe Biden. And and he executed it perfectly. And this is where I, th- I, Biden's plan so far has been to stay out of the mud. He's avoided the mud wrestling. He's avoided the the getting down in the dirty. He's avoided the the shots at Trump. And I do think there were the shut up, the clown when he took a jab at the family. Said, "Oh, there's plenty we could talk about your fam, or we could talk about your family all night." I think that's a game that, that with Joe going down that road, he's going to lose that game. Trump is quicker on his feet than Joe. There's no no question about that. And Trump is willing to go a lot further, say things that are a lot more offensive than Joe is. So that's the point I, w- I was making when I was talking to you earlier about I don't think Joe executed his game plan as well as Donald did. I think Joe's game plan going in was going to be stick to the answers, stay out of the mud, and, and I think he left with a little bit of dirt on his shoes. Okay, I mean, I can I can buy that, but you know, you say, "Oh, Biden says, oh, I could say a whole bunch about your family," which he did say that, but he didn't end up going there, right? Like, so you know, Donald Trump brings up Hunter Biden uh, in his many, you know, crazy conspiracy Ukraine connections. Obviously, there's something there. I'm not saying that's completely on the up and up, but Donald Trump dipped his toes. No, he jumped in to the Reddit conspiracy uh, pool last night. He was talking about things that I, I don't even know what he's talking about. Like, you know, he, he watches way too much Fox News, watches OAN and, and, and reads Breitbart. And it's like, what are you even talking about? Like, most people have no idea what you're talking about with all these crazy conspiracy theories. Oh, I'm not saying that, that Donald didn't sound a lot crazier than Joe. I absolutely agree that Donald sounded crazier, but I just think that's more on brand for Donald, and I think that's going to appeal to his supporters a lot more than than trying to sling mud is going to appeal to the Biden supporters. So in that sense, I do think as far as if you'd rated the execution of the game plan, I think Donald stayed a lot more a lot closer to what his team probably drew up going into the debate than I think. I think Joe, there were times where he looked a little bit rattled and there were times where he was getting pissed and understandably pissed. But I think up until this point, he has just tried to stay so cool and say, I'm, I'm not going to go there. And, and I think he started to go there. And I think that's, you're right. He didn't go there yet, but I think that's a dangerous road to go down. I agree with that. I think it's also partly colored by the fact that I did watch all of the Democratic debates uh, this cycle around, where Joe Biden was very defensive, uh, much more so than what he was last night, um, which is kind of surprising. But I mean, you have a Democratic debate, uh, you know, there there isn't this mudslinging and and making fun of people's families and all the crazy stuff that there is in the Republican side. Um, but you know, there's genuine differences as far as medicare for all versus improving obamacare and you know the the digs of that of of, you know joe being you know kind of the centrist who's you know beholden to wall street and doesn't really care about the average person uh there was a lot of shade in the democratic party about you know maybe joe's lost a step or two 
Um, and he certainly has. Like, I, let me not mince words. The dude is 78 years old. Like, he does not have the same fastball that he had in, in 2012. Um, and again, think of all the 78 year olds in your life. Like, you know, I'm sure some of them still are, you know, are sharp and have it, but would you want that person to be, you know, the most powerful person in the whole world? Um, a, a reference that I think you're going to appreciate it. The, the older Biden gets, I think the more he looks like Lee Corso. <laughs> That's a good one. Like, I think Biden's like the volume of Biden's hair is just diminishing and he just looks more and more like Corso. And it's just like, Corso is just this little old adorable man who, I mean, God bless him. I hope he's around for many more years, but I mean, he, he's 78 years old. He hasn't come out and said it, but there's no way in the world that Joe Biden is going to seek a second term for president. If he were to win, he's going to pass the torch to Kamala or to the next heir apparent in the democratic party, uh, or, he's not going to be the president for eight more years. So he certainly has lost a step. Um, but I think given the circumstances of him being interrupted every single time, this family being disparaged, I think he held up about as well as you could expect him to be. But yes, he certainly did have a few moments where that composure slipped. And I, I don't think that benefited him. I guess to give the other side of the point I was trying to make too, I mean, if that's me, 100%, I'm walking out 15 minutes into that debate. I'm not staying in there for that. I'm literally taking my ball and going home. So I guess good on him for, for sticking in there. I think at the point where Trump was interrupting so much that neither the moderator nor Biden could speak, I think I'd have just walked off the stage. So two things. I'll definitely give him credit for, for standing in there for 90 minutes. That's I've... I've been in meetings like that where you're just getting kind of yelled at for, for a straight hour. And so I'll, I'll give him that. Two things I would say that one uh, at the end of this pod, I think we're certainly going to have a longer conversation on should Biden debate again? Should there be any more debates? Uh, but we'll come back to that towards the end of the show. But I just want to give a special shout out based on what you said, rewind it back four years to Ted Cruz, Andy, if I said that your wife looked like a horse and your dad was probably responsible for murdering a U.S. president and then you end up like campaigning for me to be president, I mean, you just got to punch that dude in the face, right? Like you have to, if, if I'm Ted Cruz, I'm saying I will oppose you for the rest of my life, for as long as I'm in Congress, fuck you. I will never, ever get behind you. Yeah, I mean, if that's me and you, we're, we're lining up on the football field. As soon as the ball is snapped, we're dropping the gloves. We're going to fight. And then, yeah, maybe we can be friends after that. But we're definitely dropping the gloves and, and punching each other in the face a couple of times before we even consider moving on. The number of people who have debased themselves during this Donald Trump presidency is just is unbelievable. I just can't, I can't get over it. So I, talk, we're going to move on to the next topic. We've talked a lot about COVID already. This is, again, I, I can't stress enough how much I think Trump's fucked this up. And, you know, as long as this continues to, to grip the nation as it's had, again, we're heading into flu season, as we've said ad nauseum. Um, I just, as long as this issue is on top of uh, 
people's minds. I just don't think that that Trump's going to do well with that. So moving on to the economy. Uh, this is this is Trump's home turf to me. I know Trump thinks that law and order is his home turf. Um, but polling after polling shows basically that the one thing that Trump has over Biden is people trust Trump on the economy more than they trust Biden. And I think that there's some measure of fairness to that, right? Like the economy is on the upswing as the Obama years are over. Trump doesn't have to do a whole lot. You know, he passes a trillion dollar tax cut that benefits businesses and the ultra wealthy. Uh, The stock market's good. He just lets the economy just keep chugging along. Uh, And and certainly we know people in our lives um, who are like, oh, yeah, look at my 401k. Like, this is working out for me. I don't want to rock the boat. Um, And obviously that gets completely upended once the pandemic starts. But I just can't. There's still so many things about the economy. I feel like Joe Biden could have made better points uh, to show that Donald Trump is just looking out for himself. He just wants to enrich his own family. Uh, he doesn't give a shit about the American people. I think this question was probably Joe's roughest performance. R- roughest question of the debate. Um, absolutely. Trump also said some wild stuff in this section. So, I mean, the COVID stuff, I think, was the craziness we expected from him. I think when we got into the economy question, some of the things that, that Donald started taking credit for, this the, I think this may have been my first what the fuck of the night. Andy, if if you have just 90 minutes to talk to the American people, you have to tell them that you were responsible for bringing back Big Ten football. If you can get fools in the Big Ten to believe that you are the reason that Big Ten football came back, you're absolutely going to pump that point because you need states like Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania to win. Why do you think he's not worried about the Pac-12 other than his garbage football? The reason he's not worried about the Pac-12 is because he doesn't need those states. He needs the Big Ten. I'm surprised he didn't spend more time on the Big Ten. (laughs) I know. I was uh, expecting him to start reading like the Ohio State depth chart, uh, you know, going on, reading the schedule out loud. I just, oh man. He's the reason that Justin Fields came to Ohio State. You didn't know that? He personally recruited him. (laughs) Oh man. So, like you said, there was some crazy shit that happened uh, during the economy section as well. Um, Some of the things that really jumped out to me, uh, Trump just can't you know, help but be a rich person, think like a rich person, not understand uh, what it's like to be an average American. Uh, And what I refer to that is Trump said, Trump had a line during this debate, basically, that was like, you know, look at the stock market, the stock market's doing great. Um, And to that, I would say the only people who think that the stock market is, you know, the key economic factor uh, for American households are just super rich people. Like, I think the stats like, somewhere in the 40 to 50% range of people don't have any money saved at all for retirement in their 401ks or any type of retirement account. Um, people do not measure economic prosperity in their households by their 401k balances. Yes, that is a part of it, but they you know measure it by what their paycheck looks like, how much money they have in the bank account. Can they afford 
you know, all the groceries and clothes that their kids need and all the extra things. They have a little money to go to dinner and a movie, uh, you know, here or there when they can uh, get some time away from the kids. Uh, this just seems so out of touch to me. Yeah, so this, I guess, widening the lens a little bit, this is one of the things I really don't understand about Trump's base. I understand if you got the money in the stock market why you're going to love him because, I mean, sure, I'm sure it's great to watch your 401k go up and up and up, but for us average Joes out there, I don't understand what the appeal is. Exactly like you said, he's so out of touch. He, I don't think Trump has a clue that he, I, I don't even think he could imagine that half of the country doesn't have money saved in a 401k. I think to him, that's just something that everybody does. I legitimately don't think he has the understanding that there are people out here, you know, struggling paycheck to paycheck. Well, that's the thing, right? Is like the Republican party, you know, previously, let's go back to like the George Bush days. They're the party that, you know, they're the, the party of, you know, rich upper class people who they just want tax cuts and the government to leave them alone. And, you know, if that means that, you know, people of color get screwed, then so be it. But we're not going to go actively say that out loud in public. Um, but the Republican Party has trended more towards the next topic, when we, we, which we will eventually get to as far as race and law and order and policing. And now it just seems more, uh, you know, you ask how can Trump have, uh, you know, bamboozled these people. I, I forget who has the quote of if you can convince, you know, the, the lowest white person that they're better than, you know, any person of color, then, you know, they'll believe that they're some king or whatever. You know, that's how you can do it. You say all of these racist, awful things. And then... You know, there's, as we've discussed previously, there, you know, there's a certain segment of the population that says, okay, uh, the, the president is giving us permission to say this, and this is how we really feel, and now we're just going to say it. Yeah, I, I think that's a point that we'll probably get into a little bit deeper when we get into the law and order question, but I, I do think that Biden's performance in this was the weakest, though. I, I, I don't think, I don't think he made any of the points that, that you're making right there. I don't think he did nearly enough to attack Trump's out of touchness. So I, I, I think that was probably a missed opportunity for Joe. Uh, I, and I do agree on that. And again, that's, that's held true throughout this election cycle. You know, people still think Trump's better on the economy. Um, and hopefully maybe as we get into a future debate, um, I think the vice presidential debate might actually be the key debate in this cycle because Kamala Harris and Mike Pence are not going to do, what we saw last night. Mike Pence is as exciting as spoiled milk, basically. Um, he's not going to yell and scream and interrupt, I don't think, nearly to that degree. Um, I love Kamala Harris. Uh, I think anytime she's on a Senate, on a Senate committee uh, interviewing somebody or questioning somebody, uh, she's very smart, very perceptive, uh, really gets to the heart of the issue. So I think that might be the debate where we have a substantive conversation about the two visions for the for the country and how it's going to move forward but i i don't think people are going to tune into the vp debate nearly to the degree that they will these these next two so we'll just have to hope that in one of these next two presidential debates some kind of substance shines through yeah i think the disaster that that this debate was is going to turn off some people that maybe would have turned into that are going to be afraid of spending another 90 minutes of their lives that they'll never get back watching another disaster. And I agree with you that it won't be a disaster, but I do think that 
whatever it was that, that we watched tonight is probably going to scare away some people that would be watching that. I do have one more point I wanted to make on the economy Go for um, it. before we move on to the next question. So Donald Trump claimed that Michigan had the best year they've ever had last year. I don't know if he checked. They went nine and four, didn't beat anybody that was decent, went to double overtime and almost lost to armies. That is decent for Michigan these days. It's sad, but nine and four doesn't matter that you went to double overtime at home against army decent for Michigan, but not the best year they've had ever. Certainly not the best year they've had ever. But again, you know, if you could beat army in your Michigan that's that's about the best you can hope for these days. So, um, before we do move on, there there is one other thing that I want to talk about that came out in the news over the past week. New York Times seemingly has finally gotten Trump's tax returns after many many years of Trump saying that they are under audit, and that's why he can break the norms that all presidential candidates since Nixon have released their 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 tax returns. Uh, we still have not officially seen them. I'm not a I'm not a tax person. I'm not an economic expert. Uh, Andy, did you take any economics while you were in college? Yeah, I took one class, but I'm not sure how much of it stuck. I am pretty decent with TurboTax. I don't think that's going to help in this situation. <laughs> You'll, you've taken one more economics class than I have, so congratulations on that. And again, billionaires are going to take advantage of the tax code to pay as little tax as possible. I don't like it. I would like to rewrite the tax code to try and get rid of as much of that as possible, but that's not criminal and that's not going to move the needle in my opinion for a lot of people. That's not news. Um, but what is news to me is just how much money the president is personally responsible for uh, to the tune of $421 million that he's on the hook for most of which is coming due over the next four years. And the reason that I think that's important, again, I don't know anything about being a billionaire and, and whether that number is huge or not, but there has been quite a bunch of commentary this week about how when you apply to get a security clearance when you work for the government, if you have a ton of debt, you do not get approved because you are easily leveraged by foreign adversaries who might try to bribe you, who might try and coerce you. And we have a president who, who owes $421 million who has properties that he owns in countries. Uh, you know, we have all of the Turkey nonsense going on. Um, he, he's paid more in taxes to many of these countries than the $750 that he paid in federal income tax the year that he became president. He paid zero federal income tax in 10 of the last 15 years. Maybe that maybe that is something that will you know change some some voters' minds to say okay look like I know that he takes advantage of the code, but seven hundred fifty dollars is ridiculous. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that it's a problem with it. I mean, if what he's doing is legal, you know, and when the audit you know twenty seven years from now shakes out, if it turns out that what he's doing is legal, that's a problem with the tax code, not necessarily a problem with him. I mean. I don't want to, whatever TurboTax does for me, I, I try and get it to, you know, give me that biggest refund that I can get as well. I think you make a great point with the amount of debt that he has and the danger that that may be. I mean, and this is again, where I think it was such a missed opportunity from Joe, even if he didn't necessarily come out and make that point to even just 
to have attacked Donald's personal finances, I think would have maybe been something that could have been on the table and to definitely just come out and say, you owe a lot of people in other countries, a lot of, a lot of money. And that could be a security risk. I think that would have been a huge point for Joe that, I mean, maybe it was strategic, but for him to choose not to do that. But I, I think that was another opportunity that he left on the table in this section. And, and another opportunity is, so again, we talked about earlier how he, Biden chose to leave kids out of it. I mean, in this New York Times story, you know, again, if Trump is doing legal things, that's the one thing. But there's some pretty clear indications that uh, there was some double dealing going on with Ivanka being both a consultant on a, on a project that she was overseeing. There could very well be some tax fraud or evasion going on in these returns, either by Trump, by one of his children. Um, and that's the thing, right? We're not going to know that before the election. There's not enough time for that to be revealed, for any kind of investigations to be opened or charges to be pressed. Um, but there certainly is smoke as far as, you know, maybe some shady things went on for these taxes. There's a, a $72 million Trump tax return that the IRS held up. And now Trump may owe $100 million if he were to lose that case uh, based on some shady type things that he did on his, uh, his tax return. So I think this was definitely a missed opportunity. I don't think you need to take the low road and, and bring in Trump's children as despicable as they can, you know, sometimes be. Uh, again, Trump goes after Hunter Biden for all this money he allegedly made in Ukraine when Ivanka is getting millions of dollars from China for some of these trademarks. Um, again, how much in the mud do you want to go? I don't think Trump, uh, or I don't think Biden is benefited by joining Trump in the mud. Uh, but I think you, you are 100% right. I think Joe left a lot on the table during this segment. Can we talk about the $70,000 deductions for haircuts as well? Uh, who is he paying and where can I sign up? Jesus, I could pull off that haircut. I mean, Trump, I'll, I'll do your hair for a lot less than that. I mean, it's going to look as shitty as it does right now, but it won't cost you as much money. I got some clippers upstairs. I might be able to do a better job and I'll charge him double. <laughs> oh, I just buzz his head just like I do all <laughs> as what I try to do for me and for my children, much to my uh, wife's chagrin, just buzz it. Let's be done with it. Okay, Andy, this is kind of the $64,000 topic. Um, the $750 topic? So, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So we wrapped up, um, we wrapped up on the economy. We move on to law and order, to race, uh, to the racial injustice issues that are going on in our country right now. Um, and we did not hear a lot of all law and order in the first hour, but once we got to this topic, it was law and order all day, every day. I would just like to throw out there. I think it's a little bit interesting too, that the topic of law and order and the topic of race are so necessarily linked to one another. So you can have law and order without necessarily talking about racism. I don't know that you can necessarily talk about racism without talking about policing, but the idea that to Trump race and law and order are the same thing is a huge red flag just from go for me. Yeah. I mean, you could have a whole debate and you could go for a whole hour on uh, issues that people of color have to deal with and not touch on criminal justice. You know, you could focus on things around the economy and healthcare and education uh, and housing and not touch on anything, you know, anything to do with criminal justice, 
but to just say, okay, we're going to talk about uh, race and right along with that is law and order definitely sends a certain message. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's playing exactly once again into the Trump supporters, I think to a lot, and I'm not going to say all, but to a lot of people that support him, they're they're not even going to listen to the conversation that you want to have about racial inequality because I think it's more comfortable to just ignore it and say it's not happening. So I think maybe that's why to them law and order is equated with race because that's the only, maybe it's the only place that they can see that there's inequalities, but yeah, go, go ahead and take it, Josh. So as I said in the intro of the show, our next episode uh, is a deep dive into the issues and Andy you and I touched on this one for a while we really go deep into this issue so um, our personal thoughts are coming up in the next episode Uh, but this is this contains the holy shit moment of the debate Uh, Chris Wallace asked Donald Trump point blank will you go out in front of the American people right now and and denounce white supremacists Uh, say you don't want them to contribute to any violence that's going on in these cities in Portland and and elsewhere where protests are turning into riots. Donald Trump, I'm trying to give you a softball. This is a nice and easy one. Just say white supremacists are bad. And Andy, where does it go from there? It goes in a direction that I didn't think I'd ever see in America. And he says, sure, sure. Give me the name of somebody. Tell, tell me tell me a group. So Chris Wallace comes up with the Proud Boys, and Donald Trump tells them to stand down and stand by. Stand down and stand by. Are you fucking serious? Disgusting moment in American history. Okay, so there's, there's one of two ways to look at this, Andy. Uh, and and I do actually think that there's a good chance that the latter is is what actually happened. One, Donald Trump has a long history of you know giving nods and winks to white supremacy groups. You know, before I believe it was before the election in 2016, somebody asked him to denounce David Duke, leader in the KKK, and Donald Trump said, "Oh, I don't even know who he is." And then somebody said, "Oh, he's the leader of the KKK," and then Trump's like. Oh, okay. Well, uh, okay. Okay. And, and, you know, and again, doesn't just say it's so easy to say white supremacists are bad and I don't want them, you know, being a part of my coalition. I, I don't agree with what they're doing. That's all you have to say. It's so easy. But again, so again, you have these proud boys there. I don't know much about them. They're, I think, a, a Nazi type, anti-Semitic, racist type organization. So you say, okay, Trump is actually, you know, not even winking to them and he can't afford to lose any supporters. He has a good portion of his coalition that, you know, does hold some kind of racist uh, or xenophobic views. Um, But I think option two is, is also on the table, which is just Trump is not a very smart person. And, you know, he was like, stand down like what like what's the phrase that i need with stand stand down and then it just ended up becoming uh you know stand back and stand by and he just picked the wrong word 
And and I do think that it could have just been jumbled word salad, which again, I don't want jumbled word salad coming out of the person's mouth who holds the nuclear codes. Um, but this is just, no matter how you spin it, flat out awful. Yeah. I I don't even think I can accept that as a possible explanation. And I, that's one answer that you cannot screw up. That is one answer where... I, he said, Chris gave him the softball. He said, denounce them. He gave him the word to use. He said, all you have to say is, I denounce them. <laughs> you don't even need, like, why do you even ask what to call them? Like, do you, do you want, like, a certain position in the KKK? Like, you want the Imperial Dragon? Like, j- just, just say white supremacist. Like, come on. He could have, honestly, when he said, are you willing to denounce white supremacists? He, he could have just said yes. And that could have been the end of it. And it would have been such a much better answer. But I think the first thing that you said is right. I mean, it, it is. I mean, he called the people in Charlottesville fine people. He's not willing to go and say that white supremacists are wrong because he knows how much of his base that he will lose. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any other end result of that. I think that's that is the truth, um, you know, and whether objectively true or whether he just personally feels that way, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's disgusting either way, but, but man, I mean, in 2020 for the president of the United States to say that, I think people, you know, 30, 40 years from now, they're going to be studying 2020 and they're going to be like, wait a minute, Donald Trump came after Barack Obama. Like just, just doesn't, I, I don't know, man. This was this was insane. This is this is definitely the take home line of the debate, and it basically is Trump refusing to denounce white supremacists. So, if that's any indication of how this race is going, I think it's pretty obvious who we should all be voting for in a month. So, I think I want to hop on a little quick soapbox here, though. I do think Trump is a symptom of the problem that we have in America. He maybe isn't quite the cause. He's an idiot. And what he says is awful, but the fact that he can say that and be the fact that he's saying that because it's appealing to his supporters or a, a fair number of his supporters, the fact that he's not afraid to come out and be openly racist is absolutely an indication of how much work we have to do as a whole society. Yeah. Because it's nice to, it would be nice to think in America that if somebody came out and was openly racist, the entire country would say, what the fuck, man, that's not who we are. But that's not what the reaction has been today. I mean, I have seen defenses of how the Proud Boys are just, you know, a group of fine young people that are out defending the Constitution. I mean, look at the defense of Kyle Rittenhouse, where people came out, made him a hero for murdering people in the streets. People are okay with this. People are okay with being openly racist in 2020 America. It's disgusting. It's unbelievable that this is the country that we're in. But he can say that and not have to be concerned about the backlash because there's plenty of people sitting at their homes, drinking their bush light, cleaning their guns, saying, I'm fine with what he just said. And that is absolutely disgusting. And that is a symptom of problems that we have in America that are deeper than just Donald Trump. Very well said. Um you know, you have the Proud Boys right now printing merch that says stand back and stand by. So congratulations, Donald Trump. You just gave a white supremacy group a new slogan. Uh, he, I'm not going to lie. He is pretty good at slogans. Like, make America great again is catchy. 
Uh, Andy, what was Hillary Clinton's slogan? If you were trying to explain that, yes, she can. I, I don't know. Stronger together? It was like, <laughs> who knows? I, I, I don't know what it was, but everybody knows what MAGA is. So hats off to you, Donald Trump. You are great at slogans. Congratulations. Again, as the last five years have been, it's all about Trump. So I want to circle back to a couple of things that Biden did during this section um, that I think he actually did a good job of. Uh, I, I think Biden came in with a couple goals and one of them was to make suburban white moms less anxious. And I think he did that tonight. I think he said, uh, you know, that he, he did say law and order. He said there should be law and order with justice, uh, you know, to couch it a bit and to, you know, say that I'm not the same as Donald Trump. He denounced the violence that's going on with these riots and says that people should be prosecuted that violence is not acceptable. And he said, I do not believe in defunding the police, um, which I don't necessarily agree with. I know that's a scary phrase, um, but we, we are, we talked about in a future episode, how that involves kind of redistributing money and kind of uh, giving more support and money to services that will better be able to answer some of these issues uh, that the police are not equipped to deal with. But I think he did what he needed to do as far as telling people, look, there's not going to be rioting in the suburbs and our cozy little suburbs uh, if I become president. It's violent right now. Trump is the president. Make me the president. I'll unite the country. We won't have this. You can sleep safe. Vote for me. Yeah, I I think Joe definitely scored some points there. Um, I mean, it wasn't hard. And I I think when... You're going up against somebody that's openly racist to just to not be the idiot is a way to score points. But I think this was definitely one of Joe's stronger, stronger sections of the debate. I agree. The next topic I'm going to kind of just gloss over. I have it as, you know, climate change question mark. Uh, Trump at one point starts talking about cars to like, I couldn't even follow what he was talking about. Um, <laughs> Biden said that, you know, jabbed at Trump about nuking hurricanes, which was something that Trump had apparently thrown out in a meeting. Uh, Trump has a huge boner for judges and how many judges he's appointed. I was in this section. I, I don't know what to say. Climate change is real. If you don't believe in it, you're not a serious person. Do you have anything else to add to this conversation? No. I mean, I, I think this was the point where I really thought Chris Wallace should have just turned off the lights and said, everybody go home. I mean, this was a disaster. Is this the part of the debate where uh, Bo Biden came up, though? Because I was absolutely disgusted by that. Yes, this is. So I think, I mean, the the Proud Boys was was the worst moment. But to me, the second worst moment was when, when Joe was talking about his late son and how proud he was of his service and... And Trump's response was, who, who, I don't know him because he just wanted to go on about Hunter and whatever conspiracy theories he's read about Hunter. So this was a moment to me that, I mean, and I didn't realize that, that Joe Biden has lost two children in his life as well as a wife. He, this man has, has seen some trauma and been through some tragedy. And I was just absolutely disgusted by the way that he just glossed over Bo Biden's entire life when Joe was trying to make a, a very reasonable point about how proud he was of his son. So I, I think the only thing I took about that was fuck you, Donald, for the way you handled that. 
I mean, it's again, it's exactly on brand. I don't know why we would expect him to have empathy for another human being, but that that really pissed me off. Yeah, I mean, Trump ha- now has a long list of uh, uh, insults against our military, uh, going all the way back to even before he was elected. Things he said about John McCain, who you know is an American hero, if you want to compare him to Trump. Uh, the things he said about uh, the Gold Star family uh, during the the conventions that that happened uh, all the way through. I mean, there's I, I don't even really want to get into it. It's it's just heart wrenching and horrible. I do want to use this time to list out one of the reasons that really uh, makes me dislike Trump. And I know this isn't a very good reason to not vote for somebody for president. You know, if this if Trump was some ideological uh, you know, mastermind who I agree with all of his issues. This wouldn't maybe necessarily stop me from voting for him. But the debate ends in a bit. And, you know, you have the usual candidates go back over and they're greeted by their wives. And you have that moment, you know, we're finally done with the debate. And I, and I stuck around and I watched way too much, you know, post-debate coverage and all that last night. And uh, Joe Biden and his wife, Jill, exchange a very sincere hug They look exactly like a real married couple who love each other and have affection for each other and are used to giving each other hugs. And then they pan over to Donald Trump. Melania like walks up to him and they like, he like turns his shoulders like he's going to start giving her a hug. But then he realizes that he like doesn't know how to make those motions. Like he's not comfortable with that. And then they turn, so they're standing next to each other, side by side, and they're holding hands. And he starts, like, jerking her hand kind of up towards him, like, to show some kind of affection. He just looks so uncomfortable. I know there's that uh, there's that really widespread meme where it was maybe during the inauguration where, like, Trump is looking at Melania, and then Trump turns around, and then Melania just gives this, like, really sad, like, frown, like, really, like, grimace. I, you never see him like with Baron, like his own son, who's, you know, still just a teenager at this point. Like he just seems like a sociopath to me. Like I'm a dad, you're a dad. And when I look at Trump, I am judging him as a dad. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to remember that he is a dad. I mean, he's got a, a handful of kids. I hear more how many, but yeah, I don't see the slightest bit of fatherly, husbandly. I mean, human really feelings within that man all right last topic of this debate andy is election integrity and again we are off the rails at this point this is a point of the debate where biden just says look you know i'm done with these games he just puts his hand up and he says ignore what's going on over here in trump's direction i'm just going to talk to you look you have it in your power to shape the future of the country, go out and vote. He just spoke to the country. I thought this was probably Biden's best moment, uh, at least certainly top three of the whole debate. Um, And I think he just crushed it. I think he needs to do more of that. Uh, Just tone out or tune out Trump, talk to the American people, tell them about what you're going to do about climate change for the economy or COVID. Try to do it as best you can without Trump interrupting you. And again, we have another super easy question. Chris Wallace poses the question, you know, will you not ask your supporters to be violent as we're waiting for 
the election results, will you not declare victory until the election is certified? And Biden's like, yep, as long as you count all the votes, I will stand by the results. And Trump just can't, he can't do it again. He just can't do it. So I'll give it to Donald. I mean, he's honest. He's not. He's going to throw an absolute shit fit if he doesn't lose. So I guess I'll give him a slight bit of respect for the fact that he's not going to sit here and lie to us and say, oh, yeah, I'll be cool with it because he's not. So at least he's being honest about it. I agree. I think this was Joe's strongest performance of the entire debate. Joe does a really good job of looking right at the camera and feels like he's in the living room talking to just me. He's got, he, he has the camera presence down and I think he nailed it in this. I, I, he did his best to ignore. And I think going back to where I said, I wasn't sure that Joe stayed on brand and some of, some of the earlier stuff. I think this was absolutely on brand for him. Like you said, I'm not dealing with that noise. Donald can yell whatever the hell he wants in the background. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to give you the truth. I'm going to give you a little bit of sanity. And he he didn't play the games of that. And I think that was absolutely his strongest answer. And I think it was great that he ended on that one because I, I think that was a great juxtaposition of, of the Trump insanity of, did you hear about the guy that found the ballots in the garbage can? I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we heard about it, Donald. I mean, we follow you on Twitter. We, we run it 17 times. Some guy found some ballots in a garbage can. Maybe it was a joke. Maybe it was somebody who wanted to... to get on your bad side and have you spend the next three days aside from you know the the three rounds of golf that you're going to play throwing a fit about some ballots that somebody found in a garbage can so they printed up some fake ballots and threw them in a garbage can maybe they're real who knows but i think that was a great juxtaposition of batshit crazy trump over here screaming about something like you said earlier he read on reddit and then there's joe saying look here's reality do what you gotta do get the vote in let's move on okay Andy, should Biden debate Trump again? No. There's no value in it. There's absolutely no value in another debate. Do you think that saying no, you can get away with what you're going to hear as far as Biden's a coward, Biden doesn't want to you know, take the time to address the American people? Do you think that that outweighs not having to deal with another shit show? Because it, this could get worse, I feel like. Trump could go in one of two ways, right? Trump can say, okay, that was a disaster. I need to reel it in as best I can, which I don't think he really has a whole lot of capacity to do that. But he has now set the bar so low that if he just, like, doesn't turn bright red in the face and scream, people will say he did much better in one. But I just don't see how there's any – what are we going to learn in in two more debates? How have people – I know this is going to sound bad. How have you not made a decision yet? Like what are people waiting for to make a decision? Yeah, that's, I think that's why I say that there's no, I don't, I don't think we need to wait to November at this point. I can't imagine that there's many undecided voters out there and I don't know what's going to turn your tide at this point. I mean, if you're okay with somebody being a racist in in office, then I guess Trump's still on the table. If you're anybody that has the slightest feeling that, human beings in this nation should be equal. I don't know how Donald Trump can even be on the table anymore. And there's nothing he could say in that debate that's going to change your mind. And as we saw in the first, in this debate, there's nothing that he's willing to say that's going to change your mind. That's going to, He is a racist and he's okay with it. So I don't know how many undecided voters there are out there that are also willing, they're undecided and willing to entertain. Ah, am I okay with voting for a racist or not? I don't see who's left still on the fence. I agree with you. I mean, that's the rationale, right? It's like 
Trump Trump was losing, but if you believe the polls, which is a whole nother topic I don't really want to get into right now. So Trump kind of has the impetus to do something in the debate to change the trajectory of, of the race. Biden right now, if you believe that he's winning, the only thing that he can do is put his foot in his mouth and say something that's going to make him worse. He's seven, and, and again, he's known for being the gaff master. Like he could very easily do that. So you're right. I think it's a very, you know, close contest between saying no and eliminating the gas versus, you know, just being called a coward and, and having to deal with, you know, Trump saying that he's too chicken and he doesn't care about the American people to debate them, to debate him. So is being called a coward and a chicken anything worse that he's going to be called on stage if he debates him again? Uh, no. So I, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. What else? There were a couple other things I wanted to touch on. I, I kind of want to take a little bit of time uh, to rant about something. So what's going to happen after this debate? What was debate? What was already happening last night was people give their reactions to the debate and they're like, oh, this is this is why politics is awful. Both sides are just ridiculous. And for anybody that really wants to make that argument, Write that argument down on a piece of paper, crumple it up, throw it in the garbage can, because that argument doesn't hold any water. If you watch the debate, Donald Trump derailed the debate by constantly interrupting, lying, name-calling. True, yes, Joe Biden did do some of those things, but... Thing, the degree to which things happen matters. This whole false equivalence bullshit of, oh, well, one person says one thing and one person says the other. Well, like, I, what do I believe? Or they're both awful. It, it's all the same. Things are not all the same. Biden is not this perfect candidate. I'm not in love with him. Honestly, kind of feels a little bit like a placeholder kind of candidate until we have, you know, another election and a younger generation come through. Um, and, and really kind of feel like they're more in line with what the overwhelming majority of the Democratic Party believes in. But only one person said, white supremacist, wink, wink, like, I got your back. Only one person, you know, denigrated members of our military. Uh, only one person was up there spouting crazy conspiracy theories. It's, things are not the same on both sides. And yes, I know everybody likes to say politicians are greasy and corrupt and liars. And there certainly is that on both sides. But if you've been paying attention for the last four years, this is not politics as normal. This is something completely different, completely crazy versus what we've seen before. And it's just intellectually lazy for people to say, oh, both sides are the same, this is all awful, I'm not going to vote, or it doesn't matter who I vote for. It absolutely matters. And to me, it's just, it's a very clear choice on who to vote for. I mean, do you want what we've had for the last three and a half years? And do you really want what we've had for the last six months? And I'm not just talking lockdowns, what I'm talking about. Is that the leader that you want representing you to the rest of the world? Do you want somebody out there that's sending the message that Americans are okay with being openly racist? And I I'm with you. I don't, I don't think it's a tough choice. And, and two years ago, this may have been a tough choice for me because I do hold a lot of Republican ideals. And I think 
you know, some of the things that I believed maybe about the economy that, that Trump was building without some of just the horrible things that he said, I would have entertained the possibility of voting for him. But if you look at the last six months, is this who you want to be for another four years, America? No, no, the answer is no. We don't want this for another four years. This is not who we are. This is not who we should want to be as a country. I mean, even to make it easier for people, do you want to just have people talking about politics all the time and how awful Trump is and, and him just dominating the news and the conversation every single day? You know, I'm still going to be paying attention to politics. I'm still going to be politically active. But the overall amount of politics we're going to talk if Biden is elected president is going to go down. So if you are just exhausted about all of this Trump talk, then you have a very easy option to, to, to re- reduce it, to remove it, to get rid of it. Vote him out of office. You mean we can watch Big Ten football and not have to worry about who's responsible for it? <laughs> exactly. We, we can go back to just complaining about what a trash organization the NCAA is. Do you think it's just going to be the four conference winners this year? Yeah, probably. I mean, Pac-12, sorry, nobody cares about you. I mean, I don't know though. With, with some of the hijinks we've seen in the Big Twelve so far, I think they're they, the Big Twelve is probably going to open the door to the SEC trying to Buffalo win a second team. LSU lost at least, so that that should that might help a little bit uh, to just get the SEC down to one team. Anyway, we digress. I I don't know what else to say about this debate. Um, it was it was a dumpster fire. It was certainly not something that makes me proud to be an American and for me to be interested and want to participate in politics. But there we, I, I didn't, I didn't see what the official rating was, but it did insane. I believe. Um, I think Trump was tweeting about how, uh, how big the ratings were earlier today. I just follow at real Donald J Trump on Twitter. And I'm sure you'll hear about the ratings for the next six months. So we got three more of these. We have the vice presidential debate. That is next week. The week of, uh, oh, let's pull it up here. 10-5, I believe. And then in the weeks after, we have two more presidential debates. The second presidential debate is a town hall style, which means I believe that the questions will be coming from, you know, certain members of the audience. And hopefully that <laughs> that will rein Trump in a little bit. Uh, like, like you said already, uh, maybe that's a fool's errand on my part, but... I don't need to see anything else. I'm ready for November to be here. I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping that nothing crazy happens in the next month. I don't know why we don't just throw it on Zoom and give the moderator power to mute everybody. I think that would be so 2020 to have it through Zoom and you just have somebody that has the ability to mute. So if Trump wants to yell and scream, all you can see is is his little face going and turning redder and, and yelling, but you won't have to hear what he says. So I think that's the easiest solution. I've seen that thrown out there a lot. Let him live 2020 the way a lot of the rest of us have, staring at a computer screen and, hey, if somebody mutes you, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, that would be fitting for 2020. You're 100% right. And again, that mute button, I... I around the horn really the next debate should be hosted by tony reality and if somebody makes a bad point you get that mute button for 30 seconds and we move on to the next person honestly if i'm joe biden and there's no way to mute the mics i i don't know if i'm gonna do another debate i'm with you on that one 
keep you on the sports theme though. So, so if Joe Biden is Lee Corso, I mean, what we need to find is our Kirk Herbstreit, right? So if we're going to have our, our Lee Corso, Joe Biden as the placeholder for four years, Herbie's the man to lead the country, right? We just need to find the democratic equivalent of Herbie or just convince Herbie to get into politics, right? Well, this betrays how much I'm on Twitter and how much I'm online. And I'm sure my wife is just going to be shaking her head when she gets to this point of the podcast. But Herbie was getting dragged on Twitter today. Um, Herbie tweeted something along the lines of, oh, I haven't really been paying attention a lot to politics, but this was awful. And this was, you know, just one of those kind of both sides. This is awful things that I just ranted about a couple of minutes ago. Um, and then a bunch of news people were pulling up old tweets from four years ago where he was tweeting about how Donald Trump was doing well in the debates versus Hillary Clinton. So, Herbie, I don't know if you outed yourself there a little bit, but uh, uh, Twitter always has the receipts. Okay, so maybe not literally Herbie, but we need to find the, the figurative Herbie. Chris Fowler? I, I think that a lot of people are going to watch Kamala Harris in the vice president debate. And I think they're going to be impressed. So we shall see if that actually happens. All right, Andy, we've been going on for quite a while. This has been completely politics focused. Uh, we'll see how this, how this episode goes. I want to give a shout out to the States of uh, Texas, Kentucky, and I believe Virginia, where we randomly have uh, a decent audience in those States. I don't, do we know anybody that lives in those States, Andy? Ooh. Same again. Texas, Kentucky, and Virginia. I could think I Texas I could think of. Kentucky or Virginia, thanks for coming out. I don't think we know anybody there, but if I had to do a top five most beautiful states, Virginia would definitely be in my top five. Love the mountains. Andy, how many times did we sing Meet Virginia in your apartment when we were in college? I mean, tens of thousands, it's got to be. That was one of the iconic songs of our four years of college. So just want to say real quick to wrap up this show, uh, Andy and I love doing this, and we would do this with no audience. We're extremely gratified that people are spending, you know, parts of their commute or, you know, maybe they're out running around running errands listening to this show. Uh, you guys, again, uh, we... We really like doing this. Feel free to drop us a, an email. We're on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, if you guys have questions, emails, criticism, just want to say how much these takes suck, by all means, uh, send them our way. Uh, we really like doing this, and I think we're going to do this for the foreseeable future. So, If you're that person in Virginia, shout us out. Let us know who you are. Hope you came back and listened to another show. Also, Tom, if you're listening, definitely hit us up on social media. <laughs> If you if you don't want to, Tom, that's okay too. You know, Tom didn't make it this far in the episode. <laughs> All right. So, just as a last bit of housekeeping, uh, this is our debate episode. This this will be up the week of the debate. Next week is going to be, as a reminder, our in depth look into the issues on how Andy and I feel about the actual subject matter of politics issues, the things that are facing our country, um, and then we'll transition into something much more lighthearted. Uh, we'll get into another grab bag episode and just kind of touch on a whole bunch of fun things that uh, will be a lot less serious than what we've done today.
Yeah, these last couple have been heavy. So we definitely, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to lighten it up. Could probably throw it around the horn like we did before and, and have a little bit of fun with this. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. This has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll catch you guys later. Stay safe, Ohio. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter. And you can email the show at BuckeyeDadsDiscuss at gmail.com.